Welcome to Brave New, Brave New Words. I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... I'm Ross. I'm Del. And we have some lovely authors. Uh, lovely authors, would you care to introduce yourselves, please? Um, I'm RJ Barker, author of Age of Assassins, famously very, very serious. I'm Alison Littlewood, author of A Cold Season and more likely The Crow Garden. I'm Kat Webb, Kate Griffin and Claire North, and at least 33% of me has turned up today. (laughs) Wow! Um, so you might gather that we're not normally in the book nook, which is normally where we record these things, uh, or nor are we in Starburst Tardis. We are in fact at Edge Lit, and we have a crowd! <laughs> it's an actual audience listener, there are thousands of people here, uh, <laughs> as you can probably predict, um, all of Derby has turned up. So, um, let's, let's begin. First, before we do anything else, let's have a jingle. International. Uh, wasn't that lovely? Also, <laughs> it's a jingle. Um, I think a catchphrase. <laughs> it's a lovely jingle. It's an amazing jingle, and obviously we listen to it carefully every time we do the show. If I'm, um, if I'm very quiet, Ed, that's because um, before we came on, Cat Webb gave me Henri. Henri? <laughs> <laughs> as in, as in, stop the car. I need an Henri. Yeah. I had, I had to hold the Henri yeah. for a little bit. It was it was an interesting time. <laughs> it's, it's it's tough in Derby. I mean, the Henri has just been passed round. Yes. It's here you are, Ed. Have the Henri. See, I'm not tempted to eat it. No, because that would make the Henri part. Oh. Uh, anyway, on we go. Um, oh. Oh. Ed, it's bad enough that you've spent so far talking to the laptop because the microphone isn't in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're oh. The laptop doesn't want to listen to me, is the thing. It's just like, it, yeah, please stop crying. Right, so um, what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and rattle through recent boot news. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask everyone for their opinion. So apparently, uh, Townsend's Not Nevermore, which is a book that pitches crows, I surprise you. Um, uh, Everyone gets a crow but me. Have you? Kn- I don't know whether you've done it. Book book covers all have crows on. My son is called Rook, and I have been banned from having crows on my books. I'm not allowed, and I think that's very unfair. I've and you should all write to it. It was a, it was a fascist pooing crow as well. Like, <laughs> I, had, I had a crow doing a poo on a man's shoulder as he did a fascist salute. So like, I'm not sure crows are universally great. No, he's clearly anti-fascist crow, isn't he? He was, he was disapproving of it in, in the best way. I don't know. I think, I think it was. I think it was supposed to be a positive, uplifting, pooing fascist crow. <laughs> <laughs> it was not the greatest cover, really. A life-affirming pooing crow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Huh? My latest book's called The Crow Garden, so it was kind of obligatory. I don't, it, it's a white crow, though, just a bit different. Have you yeah. had a normal crow before? I haven't. Ah, it's my first crow. It's a white one. You see, out of three authors, you're the only one. I'm the only one that doesn't. I haven't. Racist, probably. In (laughs) some way. Now I want to write a book just just to have a crow on the front. You're cruel. Yeah. And I'll send one to you. No. You should start collecting other people's books with crows on. No, I was talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a spectrum or is it just white and black? Is it binary? 
Yeah, it looks like we're quite binary, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. I think it depends on the publisher. Like, I'm sure if it's Faber and Faber, it could be an abstract crow with like rainbows coming out of its ears. Like, we don't have to be limited by realism here. A uh, quantum crow. It could be any colour. Oh my god, that's going to be the next book, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, Jessica Townsend's book Nevermore, the Trials, Trials of Morgan Crow. You see, there isn't oh, no, there is a crow on the cover, yeah, and it's got sparkles coming out of it as well. Yeah. Um, oh, go pass it around. I want to see the authors judge a book. Are we judging the book by you, you, you can you can judge the cover. It looks a bit jolly, doesn't it? It's very jolly. It's meant yeah. to be a children's book. Well, they keep they keep claiming because every time a children's book comes well, out, if it's got witch in it, mm. then then clearly they'll be like, oh, it's the next Harry Potter. Which is which is weird because I'm sure the next Harry Potter is also by J.K. Rowling, which is doing you know of of a, of a Harry Potter. Stuff. So, not really, if you see what I mean. But every time it's a children's, I kind of need the cover back so I can actually. Do you need this magazine yeah. to carry on? Because I'm a bit like this is full of success of other people. So yes, so apparently, apparently, the, it's been optioned by um, it's been optioned by who? I've forgotten. I can't fantastic radio. It is fantastic yeah. radio. It, anyway, David Goddard, who's the guy who wrote The Cabin in the Woods and Dead Evil, and so all just made to puke a little bit with just envy and hate, <laughs> just with a tiny little twinge of oh another one achieves triumph <laughs> and they've got crow on their cover <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it this is maybe more you can't be envious <laughs> stop me <laughs> this is a radio show so no one can i could just say that there is a crow on the cover of my book you could do you could, yeah. but you then they can get your book oh yeah there is that <laughs> but i could say that my book's been optioned look i'm showing everybody the contract Ooh. Yeah. It's a gossamer contract as well, it's I know. Yeah. The next edition has 100% more crow. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the next deal. You just put, like, like when you've signed, just insist on more crows. Or yeah. at least one crow. Yeah, I'm going to my next lot of books. But also, didn't you say you write every book you do with kind of a fountain pen made from crow feathers? Isn't that what, where this is coming from? No, I have natural crow, does it? <laughs> it, it just pecks at the keyboard until the book is finished, and then I send it to my editor. And she it just must have done so many drafts of King Lear before you finally got Age of Assassins. <laughs> do you actually have a crow quote? I, yeah. I discovered this was the thing oh. the other week, and I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with pens. I know because I'm the opposite way around. I, I have very few pens because my handwriting is completely unreadable. I once had I got a notebook, and I'd, there's a whole page of notes, and it said in block capitals at the top. This is very important, and then it was completely unreadable. It was it like the best idea you'd ever had? Yeah. And now you can't remember. Yeah, it. and it's just like, what, what, <laughs> what does that even say? So I don't I have very few pens. I get told off Simon Stanton, and Bounders said that I've got to have an expensive pen. I'm not a real author. Really? I was at mm-hmm. Alison's Q and A, and pens <laughs> became an overriding oh, theme. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> about pens. Alison feels like <laughs> pens are friends. <laughs> um, I am falling out of the League of Gentlemen. But I have better taste in pens. I've noticed this. Would you like to judge my pens? No. Oh, she's, she spurned my pen. Listener, because the, the listeners can't hear this. Uh, listener, what I'm holding in my hand is an incredible pen. Um, it's, it's truly, truly remarkable and not at all a Bible. Um, I hear it writes an octarine. I, I wanted. And um, Ed McDonald got black pens when his book came out. 
and I didn't get Age of Assassin pens. But if people ask me, I will write Age of Assassin on a sticker and put it round <laughs> a big biro for you and send that to you. He also I, got on with you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always get confused by the, the whole concept of the pen being mightier than the sword because pens don't have reach. <laughs> where swords definitely do oh it depends on your technique though doesn't it I mean the sword sw- moves slower than pens as long as you can close the range fast you're okay if, you can, if you've got a throwing pen so it's specially weighted or double pens or double pens you can oh. get some very sharp nibs yeah. actually mm. <laughs> no, but like darts yeah darting um, some pens like square ink so blinding and there's the famous dive bombing crows armed with pens. I mean, it's the whole thing. If we all go away and write the same book after this, it's your fault. Entirely. Uh, <laughs> uh, randomly, a friend of my friend Troy used to have a crow, pet crow. I say pet, he, he, he raised it and he had a steel plate inside of his head. So the crow, to get his attention, used to peck him on that side. Um, and that was fine because there was a the steel plate. Um, but it's not really, really tame. Just essentially a wild animal in yeah. this house. I quite like you can you can rescue them, and I did look into it until I found out you can't toilet train a bird. No, uh, <laughs> they just go where they want to, and then I kind of went off he, the idea of having pet birds. He kept there. horses as well. He basically lived in a farm. Yeah. Uh, it's inside. Got a pet. He's strange man. Um, talking about we were talking about people being horribly successful. So on this uh, this list of things that I've got, we've got again. Again, Colson Whitehead has won enough. I'm sure it's very deserved that he's won enough prize. But at this point, I, I look at Colson Whitehead's success in school. That's nice. It's a really good book. Great, and he, he's won at pretty much everything so far. Like, if there's an award available, it's gone to Colson Whitehead, which is lovely. Um, but like, you can't really do much else with that as a new story except for it, Underground Railroad's brilliant. And then I look at another person who's won an award. Then I look at another person who's won an award. And then I realise that they're trying to canonise J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> and like, 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 that's beyond an award, really. <laughs> Isn't that already... Are they trying to canonise him as Aslan? Because that's what the world means. That's <laughs> where this ends. <laughs> but I think if we had actual Aslan as a saying, I could quite get into religion. As I like lions and and tables. Uh, (laughs) And wardrobes, maybe? Yeah, I do like wardrobes. We just bought a wardrobe, it's fantastic. And and my wife loves cats, and she had a cat that died inside a wardrobe about 30 years ago. So we cannot buy any form of wardrobe that slightly resembles the cat death wardrobe because they're cursed. So, yeah, I've got to be more careful about wardrobes. I can have any old lion, though. <laughs> any old lion. Any old lion. Any, any old lion. lion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No. A lion can't die in a wardrobe either. I feel no. like the lion would take the wardrobe out. Yeah. That's, that's a cutscene from the Lion of Witch and the Wardrobe War, where Aslan's <laughs> yeah. decided to, like, leave Narnia and, like, return to Earth and has gotten stuck and locked the cupboard. And then, like, you know, three months later, they open it and it's like, He's been pecked to death by crows armed with pens. Yes. Has yeah. anyone He's just stood the inside going, I don't have a personal thumb. Has anyone written the opposite one of, of Aslan coming to our world and causing mass panic? And him just like going, no, no, it's okay, I'm Jesus. I'm not going to eat you. I don't think they could write it these days, though, because Aslan would come to the wardrobe and they'd be like, oh, you got it from Ikea, that's why there's a bit left. I've been finding all these parts scattered throughout the line. I was like, what is this? Is this three and a half inches or three and three quarters inches? I just can't tell. 
Ikea lights that are screwing bulbs. Oh, don't get me started on Ikea screwing bulbs. Somebody did write a horror novel set in a very Ikea-like setting in a horror store, and it's all, it's laid out like an Ikea catalogue. It's a lot of fun, actually. Is it Grady? Jonathan Green did a wonderful walkthrough for Ikea, because he wrote the Final Fantasy novels. That's horror in itself, isn't it? He did a walkthrough as to how to survive Ikea. And it, it starts with like you start at the, the front of Ikea and you should practice throwing the pencils. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got a decent, decent aim and like places to avoid. Uh, obviously, if you get to the food area, you, you probably you know, to restore your health. Did he actually succeed though? No, no, they all died. I was going to say, I was quite like overwhelmed by vases that you didn't know you wanted when you went in and, and kind of being crushed under the weight. It's the cliche of a fact in fantasy novel, it's like every single choice is you die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> except for that one, one that's like. Do you go and do something very sensible, or do you climb this mountain? Turn to page four hundred. I climb the mountain because that's where it ends. Was it Starship Traveller that just couldn't couldn't be finished? You drown. No matter what, you die. Yeah, it's like they've got the maths wrong. So there's no way you can actually get to the end, and you've got you essentially have to do a quadratic equation to to work out. That's ruined reading for me. (laughs) (laughs) To work out where you need to be, but you sit there and you do the equation, and then you go. And then it doesn't work, mm. and then instead you drown because of the entire thing where you teleport onto a planet and there's no land and you drown. So a lot of people thought that. that yeah, but that's not how you really play fight fantasy No, you, you, you skip, skip ahead and see which is Kim Kim Newman did a thing called Life's Lottery, mm. where if you read it one way, if you take one choice, um, let me remember if I get this right. You're a man hallucinating. He's a woman. If you read it another way, you're a woman hallucinating. You're a man. If you just read it straight and don't follow the paths, then the characters in the mental asylum slowly but surely dealing with their issues. It's got quite a reasonable ending if you read it like an actual book. But don't do that. Try and game the system instead. I tell you um, if you if you get any Game of Thrones book and you um, post it, so you read it like a novel, so you can colour code for each character, and then you read each one as like a mini novel. It's really unsatisfying. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good to know. It's yeah. a lot of <laughs> so there's a lot of awards in this book news, but anyway, um, Margaret Atwood, Atwood has run the, the Kafka Prize. I didn't even know there was a Franz Kafka Prize. Do you want that prize? Isn't that that, that prize with something terrible happens I, to you? I, I'm assuming we could just get an enormous cockroach. <laughs> I assume if you win the Kafka Prize, like no one knows about it, you have to go to a very run that's very hard to find. No one can really explain what it is you've won. And then I kind of read about it, going, but who do I contact for more information? You never find out. Maybe they just lock you in a room with a light. I think that's the Orwell Prize. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Notice how we're not mentioning that Claire is a figure of the water. Oh God, that's an evil look. Guy said that. No, Dear listener. You. <laughs> Dear listener, that was a very evil look. <laughs> so, should we should we talk about the World Fantasy Awards? I, I, I don't know anything. I, don't I feel it. like that's you saying we're going to talk about World Fantasy. I don't, I don't, I don't think we need to. I think. <laughs> <laughs> what a nice day it is in Derby. <laughs> <laughs> We've got such a view here across the, the wide plains of the city. I mean, and the thousands of people. The thousands <laughs> of people. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that, that brings me to the obvious. Um, 
recently, and this, this shocks you as news, but The Guardian has, has been found talking complete bollocks about genre. <laughs> so, so, so this is what they did. Apparently they got uh, a bunch of students and they wrote a little 1,000 word short story. And the 1,000 word short story was just a normal everyday short story about a person being mean in a small town. And they wrote that. And then they took the same story and they just cut and pasted the words so instead of a door it was an airlock. And instead of, you know, in, in the, instead of a device that was anti-gravity and they put all little sci-fi terms in it. And apparently that's science fiction. I just put, apparently it's not, it's just cutting and pasting, but that's what they did. And then they went, people turn off if you put in loads of technical jargon into a, into a novel. Therefore, therefore science fiction isn't as interesting. And this is a study that was done in the US by uh, Gavilar and Johnson. And yeah, the Guardian have, have said, oh, this, this, this proves that, that literary fiction is more interesting than genre fiction. What about The Martian? That's a book that it doesn't just make all the technicalities interesting, it makes maths interesting. It's, it's a brilliant book. There is a lot of potatoes and poo in The Martian. I it's mean, it's, yeah. unless you really get to care about potatoes and poo, it, there are aspects of The Martian that are a struggle. I, I couldn't put it down, so it must, must just be my Yeah, thing. no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely variegated. Um, should we kill the Guardian? Should we just go and kill the Guardian? Like, is that... Oh, actually, no, it's not even Guardians, but should we go and kill the twerp who decided that putting the word anti-gravity into something made it boring? Go and... But that, that I just deny them fun yeah. for the rest of their lives. Let's just put a fun kind of warning around them. They're not allowed to go on bouncy castles. They're not allowed to ever go parachuting. They're not allowed to have spicy food. Like, just no fun for the person who thought that anti-gravity was dull. The thing is, what they essentially did there, though, is they, they took a bouncy castle and they put in large letters, obvious death trap. And then they invited people, and they were like, oh, so there's a bounty castle here, and there's an obvious death trap there. And they're both bounty castles. And like, everyone went, oh, oh, the, the bounty castle's more popular than the obvious death trap. And it's like, it's not a fair text. They didn't, it's not like they took a, like 2,000 words of, you know, award-winning genre fiction, and 2,000 words of award-winning literary fiction, and said, what do you think? But they, they literally created a piece of doggo for from both genres, and it, uh, it's so, shit. It's it is more shit than the shit on Mars that grew the potatoes. <laughs> and that's quite shitting. So, in a fair test, we you know we we take a, a science fiction novel and we take all the way it says the word airlock and replace it with the word door, and we try and see whether that got any juice as well. That would also be boring. Yeah, what does it mean? That means generally, if we put the wrong words in, it's boring. If you get the right words, it's much more interesting. Something that's rewriting, maybe, before he gets canonised, rewriting Lord of the Rings as a Hampstead novel, like, kind of, <laughs> Minas Tirath becomes Kentish Town, and, you know, it's not, it's not the one true ring, it's, it's, what's, what's the humus pot of fate, isn't it? And see if we can win some literary prizes with that. We need no, to read Ryan maybe. So long as there's a crow on the cover, RJ Barker can write it. Yeah, well, the crow could have just flown it in wherever it was going, and then anyway, like the eagles. Yeah, but yeah. It, it could be an abstract crow. It's not a crow, it's, it's yeah. a metaphor, isn't it? Yeah. We need like to rewrite, rewrite the Martian about somebody middle class who, who's not re who realises something blindingly obvious about themselves. And um, we'll read someone else coming come miles away and then falls in love, and then and we've got. Or just rewrite the Martian as my favourite allotment. <laughs> 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 but that becomes a rather strange tale 
about a man who recycles his own papers and broke potatoes. You have in many ways summed up that entire thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think, again, this is yet more journalism disregarding fans of genre. Um, like your analogy with the bouncy castle and the obvious death trap. Not only is that like, oh, more people are interested in the bouncy castle than the obvious death trap. Some people will go, ooh, an obvious death trap. And they're going to be intrigued by that and they're going to jump on the obvious death trap and they're being completely disregarded. And what you're saying, science fiction is for the thrill seekers. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll go with that. That's yeah. what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, it really angers me when people make claims like that but in a way that actually is so dismissive of the people who do enjoy it and taking away their ability to feel validated in liking the things they like it's the appeal to authority that annoys me about these things where they they, they basically they turn around and they say oh well experts say and they're not experts they're, 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 they're team jokers with a really bad idea but it's like, you know, science proves that you shouldn't read science fiction. I think science proves you should read science fiction. And it offensively misses the point of stories, doesn't it? It's like watching telly and going, telly's not like books. And then reading crime and going, crime's not like romance. And it, it misses the point that you use different tools to tell different stories. And you wouldn't tell the story of that time I was bullied when I was seven in a science fiction format unless you wanted to do something completely different with it. It misses the point of the diversity of stories. Ah! <laughs> well made. Well point made. Shall we move on? Uh, this, is also, this is also from The Guardian. Uh, Bad Sex Award 2017 shortlist. The contenders and quotes. Uh, in case you don't know, but let me review. It, it's not really a genre, but it's got the words bad and sex in it, so why not? Um, Last year was a Blue Peter presenter, wasn't it? Yes. Um, Ellis. Not far. Janet Ellis. It was Janet Ellis. Sorry, not not for an episode of Blue. No, it was. <laughs> 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 band, band oh God! Their own Janet Ellis won it last year. And um, the Bad Sex Award. I'm just trying to picture what Blue Peter Badge that would be. No. <laughs> Here's one we did earlier. <laughs> Here's one we made earlier. <laughs> Congratulations, you've been nominated for the Bad Sex Award. <laughs> How did they know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you mean in fiction? <laughs> Did we ever establish last year if it is if it's bad sex in a book or if it is sex in a book written badly? It's written badly. So it's it? sex it in a book written badly. <coughs> oh yes, there's loads of bad sex. Yeah, yeah that's that's what I thought. There's I'm no way you're getting through that backlist. <laughs> I really struggle with with sex in books now that I can see the authors. <laughs> Kind of fill in, and especially Ger uh, Martin. I'm sure he's a, a, a lovely man and everything, but I cannot read Game of Thrones without seeing his face grunting <laughs> above me. Oh, 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 oh. I, 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 that's one of the reasons I'm not reading it. But um, and I have that problem. With, I kind of I skip through all sex scenes. I, I have a I have a, a worse George R. R. Martin experience with that with his novels. He wrote a, a, an, a, on a modern fantasy novel with a band that turns in, they turn into the four horsemen of the, the apocalypse. Can't remember off the top of my head the name of the novel. But there's a series of bad sex scenes in there. And quite clearly the character is a, is a personal insert because he looks like a young George Orwell Martin. And he bumps into um, 
Oh, what's you called? Z Budapest. He bumps, bumps into, and now I know that George knew knew the author Z Budapest in mm. real life, and I think they did it. But he bun, jumps bumps into someone who is a spitting image of this person, and I think what I'm supposed to do is imagine them when they're young, because the book was written when he was in his twenties. But obviously, they're both elderly these days, and my brain just went, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's lovely, but no. Also, that's athletically impossible when you're twenty. <laughs> no. Uh, this is the point of view it just rebels I think and it's like it's a good I think if you actually have to stop and go no um, that, that's a good definition of bad sex yeah so also you, you, can, you can write a battle and nobody's actually been in a battle so they don't know what it's like so you can just make it up if you're writing sex most people are going to have done it so you've got to kind of have some experience. I just really struggle with the language. Pulsating manhood are too too words. <laughs> <laughs> they just shouldn't know. They not even commas in between makes us better. <laughs> in my head, every every writer writing a sex scene is like um, the receptionist in Ten Things I Hate About You. Except like, what's another word for engorged? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, what is the shortest? Uh, well, I'll, I'll war cry by Wilbur Smith with David Churchill, and Santa Claus is Christ, he muttered, placing himself on top of her. It's pretty cool. I make it frostbite on my cock. <laughs> <laughs> she gave a low pairing laugh. Silly man, why don't you put it somewhere? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm still a low pairing laugh. Yeah. <laughs> don't you think, though? Frostcock would be a brilliant grim dark hero. <laughs> <laughs> but it's too it's too close to thrust. <laughs> no no need to my friends. <laughs> uh, the future won't be long by Joe Kobeck. Uh, we made love and we had sex and we, uh, we had sex and we made love. But reader, again, I implore you, mistake me not. I'm not your Pollyanna. I'm not your sweet princess. We fucked, we fucked, we fucked, we fucked. It goes on for about two days. Um, <laughs> well, that's not actual kind of sex. Kind of to the point, is it? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's just referencing sex, isn't it? That's not actually right. The Destroyers by Christopher Bolin. On Stone Parch, in the hot mountain air, we grab over clothing, which in the darkness becomes as complicated as a mountaineering game. Her black, black shirt around her neck, mine unbuttoned, our shorts and underwear slid to our ankles. <coughs> we seem to be moving at Avalon's speed, and unfortunately with Avalon's precision. I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> Except that sounds messy. Sounds, that sounds a bit more like sex. Yeah. There's always that bit like, hold on, my arm's stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I once knew a man who had. I've known quite a few men. Not, not, not biblically. Oh, I don't know if that's your thing. Um, Slightly well, that sentence. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. It's going to get worse. <laughs> he had um, tattooed above his groin. He didn't show me, he told me. Um, <laughs> fatal if swallowed. Uh, and said it was the worst mistake of his entire life. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Not on the bright side, his DNA probably won't complicate. No. <laughs> what could have possibly happened to require a warning label like that? Oh, not of <laughs> This isn't going the way. This isn't going the way. It's a bit off the, the rails. I mean, I thought I might mention the bad sex of what's in passing. And yeah, suddenly, yeah. suddenly I, I'm, I'm quoting bits of it. And now I'm thinking about the time that I interviewed a man for the 14 Times who had the... Um, the world's smallest flag, but I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> you play the tune when engulfed. Um, Wait, I, I, 
Is, is yeah. Uh, so or an actual flag? No, so it, it was both an actual flag, uh, according to flag experts, and uh, a body pump. Yeah. Oh no, I'm there. No, moving on. No, no, it's excellent radio because the look of confusion in your face. Yeah, it's seven thousand. You don't want to think about it. No, I don't want to think. Can I ask a question? Of course. It's a really good question. Okay. If anyone sat here could swap out the audience's heads for an animal's head, all of them has to be the same animal. Which animal would you choose to have sat? It wouldn't actually be because it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be like they would just have the animals' heads. That's <laughs> weird, RJ. No, no, I've just been I've just been sat imagining them as antelopes. Oh, thinking. see, I was going to go for like a beaver or something more along those lines, like friendly. Is that a hangover from the last? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Along the lines of picturing them all naked. Not looking like them. But like like a dog or something at Alice in Wonderland. Oh, oh I love yeah. a dog. Yeah, you can all be mice. I sort of wanted to say fox, but see if everyone in bowler hats and give them like a suit, and then you can line them up and be like all faking artistic stuff for money. I feel that there's, there's if there actually there should be profit in this. Like we should be able to turn this into a YouTube sensation. Uh, I, I'm feeling it's like some art stuff you see, as a thing with foxes and hats. Have you see, have you seen the thing where they take like say a husky and then they put a shirt on the husky and they get like a chaps a chap a chap that says arms there in the shirt. So it looks like the dog's talking. And uh, the dog's like chatting away. That, that, that's where my mind went to. Oh my god, chihuahuas. Then we'd have a room full of Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> we could reenact the Battle of Endor right here, right now. I'm confused by the new Star Wars movie because they appear to be trying to replace Ewoks, which are evil cannibal teddy bears, which I'm down with, with weird penguins. What? Yeah. Uh, the, the porgs, these weird penguin creatures, porgs. Uh, and, like, I'm convinced, because we see, like, Chewbacca going, or whatever, uh, and then the porg freaking out. And I'm convinced that the next scene in that movie is the Chewbacca just reaching over and eating the penguin. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think that's what's happening at all. I think the porg uh, from Happy Feet, any second now, is going to be a tap dancing sequence, oh. bang smack in the middle of that space battle. Chewbacca's going to be there doing the comedy album with a bit of a cane, and the porg's going to be doing the tap dance, and it's going to be great. Lightsabers, the tap dancing with lightsabers, this is what they were basically made for. That, that, that's a health and safety nightmare. And they're also very clever because people won't notice that you're dancing closer and closer and then... Oh. Yeah, it solves so many tactical yeah. concerns. You'd stop what you were doing, wouldn't you, to be like, There's, why are there so many dancing penguins? With lightsabers. Was I supposed to learn this choreography? <laughs> you're Instagramming this. And that's how Prince Harry dies because he's dressed as a stormtrooper. We can get rid of the royal family in a single... Tap dancing porn <laughs> scene done. Feed the Republic. There is no health and safety in the Star Wars universe. Chuck Wendig touches on it in the aftermath books. But there is no health and safety, which explains lightsabers. Because you'd never, like, if you put a lightsaber in a room now and I just had a lightsaber there, and people would be like, oh, cool, it's a lightsaber. Half the people would look straight in the lightsaber, press the figure, press the, the activation stud, and that would be it. And then they would fall to the floor, and then someone else would be like, Oh, cool, it's a lightsaber. Never mind the small ring cops. But they'd pick up the lightsaber, and off we'd go again. And it's the same with in the Star Wars universe, they're always throwing people down wells because there's no handrails. Yeah, no handrails, no proper, proper storage for hazardous materials. They're always banned as Bond films in that way. Yeah. Like, where can you put this canister of hydrogen? 
oh, just leave it there, it's the gasoline, it'll be fine, I'll come along and pick it up on Tuesday. That's because Star Wars is basically based in the 70s. And that, that's what it was like. It's just... Everything was dangerous. As someone who's Everything done health and safety training, I can tell you right now that James, my outwork health and safety officer, would be very displeased by the lack of assessment. <laughs> there would be stern memos written. <laughs> you would have to do the tick box question again. But could you imagine the, health and the COSH form for the Death Star? Well, mm. just in general. So, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> you see, what happens is, you know, at this point, Ross says books. Very loudly. We've not, we've not heard Alison's animal yet. Oh, I, I, a dormouse. Oh, dormouse. You see, it's yeah. that innocuous you'd, you'd forgotten about. I just thought yeah. very non threatening. I'd quite like to be a dormouse. Would you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At least being stuffed into a teapot. Though. Yeah, I could live with it. If I got to sleep, you I'd be alright. live in a teapot, people yeah. would just give you tea. You get stuffed into a teapot. Would they yeah. take you out? Yeah, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, right. I thought. Wait, I thought this was just something like Dormouse in yeah. general I didn't know. It's just like how J.R. Tolkien got martyred. Did he become Dormouse and drowned in tea? Is that not <laughs> how this canonization is working out? Was, was there tea in that tea? Because um, they, they definitely actually, had tea at the party. I, I would hope you're going to get tea if you have to live in a tea Yeah, party. but they don't want Dormouse flavoured tea. But the Dormouse goes <laughs> in the teapot. Well, it's boiling water! It's not really because you can eat dormouse, can't you? I don't can know. You? Yeah, 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 yeah. Their 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 full name in Latin means edible. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. But maybe that's, 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 that's maybe you prepare them by putting them in a teapot. Or just kind of spinning them on lightsaber, just kind of doing a lightsaber kebab of dormice. That that would also fry them at the same time. Exactly. It's very I think we're all making hand gestures, which again is excellent radio. So, really, hang on, we're having really unhappy. Well, we're having this perfectly, <laughs> we're having this perfectly rational conversation about health and safety in the Star Wars universe, and whether or not you can stew a dormouse in a, in a kettle. <laughs> Donald Tolkien and Christopher Tolkien has stood down. Uh, he said, desperately trying to get back onto the topic. Of that sounds like he was about to have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Stand down, Christian Tolkien. It's well, not worth it, mate. Horrible. Horrible. and He's 93, by the way. So he's 93. He's Christopher the Tolkien is 93. Yes. Oh, I, could, I reckon I could take him. I'm <laughs> 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 the first person in the entire. Some in the audience is going to couldn't. <laughs> Because it's Roy, Roy is Christopher's son. Uh, yes. No, the word is the, the Tolkien is uh, Christopher's grandson. Great grandson. Christopher's great grandson. Great grandson. Which who's great grandson? Who's great grandson? Christopher's great grandson. Uh, no, no, no. no. Uh, uh, J.R. Tolkien's great grandson. So he's Christopher's grandson. Yeah. That makes more sense. So. Because I was just saying, because Roy Pardon. isn't Roy isn't that old, is he? Was about 40, 50? This yeah, makes no sense to Roy Tolkien. Roy Tolkien is a, an exceptionally lovely... What, why are you looking at me? Is it no, no, I've just, I've just realised that I don't know what J.R.R. stands for. Really, really. J. really, really <laughs> Tolkien. <laughs> what does the J stand for? He's the most Tolkien. Yeah. yeah. What does the J stand for, though? Um, well... Just... Because the thing is, if, he, really if he's going to be canonised, then Saint Ju is it Saint Just really, really now? That works though. Saint Just really, really. Does anybody know that? Oh, if you're going to pray to something, just really, I really, really need this. Someone in our audience of thousands will know, or will Google this by the end of this podcast. Does somebody know? <laughs> I think it's Ronald Rowell. Ronald Rowell, I think. What about the J? John. John. Rowell. I think it's Ronald. Yeah, I think Rail's one of them. I don't know which one. Is J.R.R. Tolkien a character from the Bertie Wooster novel? <laughs> 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 did, did, 
Did P.G. Woodhouse write Lord of the Rings as a joke? <laughs> I want that to be true. I desperately want that to be true. I want the entire fantasy genre to be some elaborate prank that's gone horribly, horribly right. Well, that's what The Guardian would make of it. Like, this is going to be headline news in next week's Guardian, just you wait. As, well, conf- as confirmed by leading podcast, great new words. I've got, I've got a really boring talking fact. Okay. He, he used to live round the corner from my accountant. <laughs> and when my accountant found out I was a writer, he told me all about it really, really excitedly, and I didn't have the heart to say that I'm not, I'm not really a big fan. <laughs> so I had to pretend to be excited and go and look at it. This is worth knowing now for when they erect the shrine. Yeah. The, the consequence of Christopher standing down means that he's been saying no to all sorts of fights, like to fights <laughs> and, and all sorts of media companies for, for, for decades. So someone goes, I've got an idea for a movie that involves a hobbit, and he's, he's like, no. So George Lucas went off and made Willow instead, which was more fun. Um, Willow's got like books with sequels written by the same guy who wrote Lords of X Men. By the way, great. Essentially, you're saying we're going to so get, get Tolkien with Pogs. That's yes, going. basically, we're going to get like multimedia or all, all Hobbit action all the time. We're <laughs> <laughs> back to bad sex, huh? <laughs> Time, timing-wise, it's yeah, it does seem to be culminating a, a similar thing, isn't it? Christopher stepped down, and now the estate are looking for someone to take the TV rights. Which last I heard was it taken by Amazon. Amazon have the rights. Yes. They promised. Even though originally they weren't even on the table. Originally they were saying um, it was Netflix and Warner Brothers were interested. But I, I personally am quite pleased that Amazon have got it because I think recently Amazon have made some very good adaptation TV. How long until it becomes public copyright? That's a very good question. Ooh, I think 75 isn't it years. 75 years after death? Isn't yeah. It? yeah. 75 years after death. So how long did you die? 70 years after death. Oh, it's 70 years after death. Thank you, audience. How long has Tolkien been dead? Is this, oh my god, we've got five minutes left before everyone can do whatever they want? I think there are Ooh, strange and arcane rules, years. though. 40? He died in the, uh, about 77, just before the summer. Yeah. Uh, so it's not 77. Years of yeah. looking at that. Okay. I mean, if I was to think about my pension, then I could see I'd make that run. Also, to a tiny extent, you're a bit like, yeah, Tolkien's Tolkien's all been sealed up for years, but Terry Brooks and then all the fantasy happened afterwards. So in a way, even though no one can make stuff with hobbits, we've all been making stuff with diminutive individuals of plucky qualities who like cream teas for a while. I, I, I think it's like I'm gonna use the, the dreaded brand word where I think it's a brand thing where, you know the the general public is expected to be stupid be expected to recognise it was a big movie therefore they'll recognise it from the movies whereas I really want to see some really I want to see daft fantasy novels get transformed into movies I want to see absolutely bizarre weird stuff um, just just random just, just go into a bookshelf grab four books make those into movies and they might be awful they might be amazing but they will be different books like Age of Assassins for instance <laughs> 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 you know when you know when the um, Lord of the Rings films came out. Did anybody do a novelisation of the film of the book? <laughs> <laughs> Was that ever a thing? Adam Roberts did a parody called Board of the Rings. Yeah, that's not quite Which is not really the same. Yeah. Also, it's, it's, it's Adam Roberts. Because I'd, I'd, I'd like a version of Lord of the Rings without any singing. 
Is he on the reverse? I'd like to see the full music. You could just go through it and put post-it notes in at the bits that are worth reading. That will streamline the entire process. I'll I'll just cross those bits out if you don't like them. Sharpie. Yeah, there you go. Let's face it, when you watch The Two Towers now and when you watch The Turn of the King, you are kind of hitting next on Frodo. I mean, in theory, yeah, yeah, I care deeply, but actually all he's doing is looking a bit softly at a bit of ring while covered in mud. Have you noticed it's a, a fantasy writer thing? Because uh, Tolkien did it and um, J.K. Rowling did it, writing a book with uh, far too much walking in it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a long walk. Yeah, because the, the second to last Harry Potter is just that like interminable camping. <laughs> there's a, um, about a decade ago, there was a guy who, who ran like LARP, so sort of fantasy mm. festival events, and they hit upon this amazing idea of doing a hiking holiday. So you do a hiking holiday oh. where, where you hike holiday, you go to a place, you stop at the cottage, you go to a place, you stop at the cottage. And what they did instead was you had a hiking holiday where people in a van dressed as orcs turned up every six hours or so and attacked you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that sounds amazing, except for the hiking. Yeah. <laughs> I write books so I don't have to go. <laughs> but when they attack you, do they kidnap two of you at a time and carry you over one shoulder to Isengard? <laughs> <laughs> that would be better. Would it be great if they turned up in an ice cream van playing that we're taking the hobbits to Isengard? Yes. <laughs> and that was how you knew the hobbits were the orcs were coming. You just did they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. They're coming. <laughs> it had a sense of yeah. panic as well. When they came out, there's a bit that really troubles me, which is um, you know when one of the orcs goes, Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> When have they seen a menu? <laughs> <laughs> How many restaurants have these orcs been to? Richard Burley in a thing called Order of the Stick does a, an amazing gag where some orcs come across a hydra, uh, goblins and orcs come across a hydra, and they realise that they keep cutting off its head until it runs out of blood pressure and passes out. <laughs> so then they drag it away, and then the next panel is hydra burgers, and they've just got this chain because apparently you fry it enough, it's delicious. Uh, <laughs> and that's what they use hydras for in this world. I suppose you get a nice round thing. Exactly. It's top like, in there, just mm-hmm. neck off. Well, that's quite handy. Also, I bet KFC has a concession in Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, maybe, maybe that's the inevitable co- consequence of Christopher Tolkien stepping down, is it all get very commercialised. Product placement. No. It's not the horn of Gondor after all. It's Alexia, summon the riders of Rohan. <laughs> You've actually given me a reason to own an Alexa. <laughs> Mordor Burger King, though, is the one where you definitely do get it your way, isn't it? Because you're not going to get that order wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I'm, I'm amazingly we've gotten through quite a lot. Oh, um, no, we haven't. We haven't. <laughs> it's totally um, has anyone? Uh, it's uh, Super Train have announced that they're doing a version of Fahrenheit four five one. I don't know if you know who Super Train are, but they're uh, bespoke publishers. So they do a books as things thing, a bit like Folio Society, where they do um, hi to the Folio Society. By the way, um, they they do a thing where you get a book. It's a pretty book, but um, they do kind of stunts. So their version of Fahrenheit 451, uh, it's all, all the pages are black until you, oh. ex- until you expose them to a heat source. Yeah, that's, oh. that's, that's not thought through properly, is it? <laughs> 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 I see, I love that. I think that's... 
it's, it's a great really, idea. Joke, jokes aside, I just yeah. I think it's too magic to laugh at. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess if you're going to read it in the sauna, then yeah. you'd be alright. Yeah. yeah. You said I just thought about getting a cigarette lighter in front of it. And you I know get where quite that tired ends. of holding. Yeah. Getting yeah, hurts. Yeah. Also, I would set it on fire. <laughs> can you microwave it? Like, can you save time by just pushing the microwave? Or does it have to be like one individual? Yeah, but how long for? Yeah, can it, you microwave they, a book? They cook from the the uh, microwaves cook from the outside. Maybe you're right. Maybe you need an oven. Like, if you get it wrong, you'll be really frustrated. <laughs> if you accidentally burn your book, oh. the irony of that <laughs> will be too painful for words. Is this a genius way of them have just pr- publishing a book without having to print anything? Just, just put loads of black pages in, no one's going to try. You keep on having to buy new copies because you set the last one on fire! Oh my <laughs> god! Oh, right. Good marketing idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's the thing that I've noticed that publishers want you to do is they want you to ruin your book. Uh, it's, it's, why, um, it's why the Colouring In books and the, the, the Dot to Dot books have been so... Because at Starburst offices we've been getting endless colouring in books and that's the, like because you get uh, colouring in for adults where it's like it's just smaller pictures and slightly read pictures and that's it and you're still doing the colouring in or you this for review? yeah, yeah we get so you have to colour them in before you can review it's them it's such a <laughs> tough job it's near Christmas <laughs> it's near Christmas so that's all we get the uh, last set of recordings we did, um, we spent three shows trying to make a Millennium Falcon. Even though when Ed was like, you make it while we do the show, and we were sat there going, this is a terrible idea, Ed, we're definitely not going to make this in one show. He was like, you will, make it. No, it took us hours, and essentially three of us weren't involved in the recording, so it was just Ed rambling about books on his own. Basically, is this audio, though? Could you put in it? Oh, we've done it! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was really shiny. I don't get this because it, it's like forcing people who don't have children to be a parent and giving you the worst bit, which is where you've got to make something that doesn't work and gets you really frustrated. I quite like making things. It was the Do you want to come to my house? I've got a little boy, he's seven. Yeah! You'll keep him busy all day. I made <laughs> Anthea Turner's Tracy Island a few years ago. It was I really you, fun. You should just have stopped at Anthea Turner. I made <laughs> Anthea Turner. <laughs> <laughs> She's back. <laughs> we have more news, surely. It's gone wrong. Yeah, and, and I'm just remembering the time when they sent us the, the Sarah J. Mass colouring in books. And then they sent us themed crayons. There were Sarah J. Mass colouring in books? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the, the, yes, exa- the, the, that, that's exactly the look I had as well. So you sat and tried to colour them in, and there's like a bit where the, the, there's a loyal dog in the books. And it's got a really kind of like fluffy face. Um, but the way it's drawn and the way that you do the thing, it looks like someone's decapitated the dog. <laughs> and you're just like, no. <laughs> that's a dead Labrador. Yeah. You're the only person that finds colouring in immensely stressful. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's great. No, it's it's true literature. <laughs> I want crayons. Yeah. <laughs> it's just colouring. I find it more stressful if I'm colouring in with a child because they're inherently judgmental and it doesn't matter what you do, it's wrong, even if you're doing as you were told. Yeah. And, th- and then they don't want to do it the right colours. No, I'm fine with that though. All children are anarchists. They're just like, <laughs> no, no, these people have blue faces. No, they don't. <laughs> they do, Daddy. It's called you two tea or room stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a disaster. I feel like children. Uh, they kind of you get that one way or another. Like yes, you get the children who like, like you said, like this. This is now green, and we're calling it sparkle mahogany face. 
Um, or then you go the other way where you get in massively sensible children who do do everything properly. Um, my, my friend, um, I think it was last year, but her daughter was in the bath, went to make sure she was okay. She's like, yep, I'm naming my ducks. And so my friend was like, oh, lovely, who's your favourite? And she went, Ian. We don't know anyone called Ian, but yeah, her ducks were like literally her favourite duck is called Ian. And my friend has a little boy with a giraffe called Keith. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Children are excellent. I really love cats that are given human names. I think that's something you should always do. Like ours is Bertie. Nice. Uh, Our neighbour's cat's called Fairy. That's really good. I really yeah. like a Labrador called Barry. Yeah. My agent's cat was called Unbugger because at 3 a.m. every morning without fail, she'd stick her nose in the agent's ear and go, <laughs> 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 And so every night at kind of 8 o'clock, I would go outside and sit all the back garden and start shouting, Oh, bugger! <laughs> oh, bugger! <laughs> oh, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've, we've come totally off the rails. I was going to quickly try and portray Starburst's dinner coming soon. The guy who does this is an idiot. Um, so Please say it's you, otherwise it is me. Really <laughs> <laughs> so Pierce Brown has a book coming out called Iron Gold. I met Pierce Brown a while ago. He's really pretty. I'm really sorry. Can you clarify if you said I am gold or iron goat? <laughs> iron gold. I, this is the problem with the show. See, that was neither of the options. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem with the show: is that not all of us have regional accents, and none of us can say the word book properly. And it's a book show. And then, I mean, we, you know, when we have Linda, who's who's Italian, she can't say it either. No. So, so anyway, and whenever I go down south, it is apparently hysterical the way I say oh, goat. And I don't know why. Goat. 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 See. <laughs> it's, it's just goat. What? It's not. But it's not it's quite yeah. a long middle noise when you say it, but I don't think it's hilarious. No, but How often do you say goat when you're down south? Goats. Actually, name I do say goat quite a lot. I like goats. <laughs> goats name themselves. I just realised. Oh. Oh. Yeah. oh. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, I thought that I'm glad they find that out. Yeah, it's totally relevant to a book show as well. Um, so yes, I'm going to run through the the the. What's the very pink one? Kill all angels. I'm glad you asked. Uh, Kill all angels by Robert Brockway. Uh, Robert Brockway is a chap who writes for Cracked.com. Um, so he nice so normally does com- comedy, but this is where this is a book where he discovers the, where they discover that angels and demons are basically the same thing, mm. and what their their existence is to ruin people's lives. And uh, <laughs> it's this kind of time hopping, as in this different periods of time of stuff going on, and people realise that what they have to do is get rid of the supernatural and the world. That, is that a good excuse to talk about how absolutely fabulous the good place is? I was about to say that yeah. like, all. The good place, that's yeah. a nice time. Just just everybody's go watch the good place. That's Nazia's nice publicist made me watch it and she was absolutely right, it's superb. Yeah. Can't I, say I love Kristen Bell yeah. so much. I was talking about her in the car on the way here. That's that's currently on Netflix. Yes, it o- is. Also also books. Uh Genevieve <laughs> Cogman has a book out called The Lost Plot. Uh, if you've not read the Librarian series, uh, the Invisible Library series, it's great fun. Uh, I think actually the Starburst review is it's great fun. Uh, there's a Steven Universe book coming out. It's an original Ooh. graphic novel by Rebecca Shire. Um 
if you've not watched it, each episode is 10 minutes long, and as I was explaining earlier today, uh, Stephen Universe, episode one, Stephen discovers, the me- uh, discovers his powers through the magic of ice cream. Episode 40, Stephen starts... Uh, this a book? This is a TV show, but... But you space- to talk about Yeah, I've got the scratch to again. Yeah, anyway. he stopped just talking about a TV show so he could talk about a TV yeah, show. No, this okay. is how this I'll show I'll move works. on. Shroud of Eternity by uh, Terry Goodkind is another Terry Goodkind novel. Why did we put it there? No one, like, people are going to buy it because it's Terry Goodkind. Um, Adelaide, Volume 1, Women of Mystery. Lavi Tidar has, has done a Sherlock spin-off with... with is that Sherlock the TV programme? No, 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 it's just a Sherlock just a talk and and Sherlock. Sherlock. But it's Irene Adler instead, rather oh. than Sherlock fighting supernatural horrors. It's Irene Adler, Adler versus Cofilia, presumably by blackmail, because that's what she does. Yeah. So I, I read yeah. the shit out of that to be quite right. <laughs> I've got a question I want to ask you. Then. What? Uh, it's yes. good. Might possibly embarrassing. What you've read loads and loads of stuff. What is the one book you probably should have read but you never have? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, my contract. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll have to have a long think about that. There's a massive list of books that I'd love to read. It's like I never finished Gravity's Rainbow, for example. And like, it's not because I didn't want to. It's just that eventually my brain fell out my my, my skill. Um, I keep promising to read Alan Moore's Jerusalem, but I just don't have the six and a half years yeah. required to read the thing. Gavin G. Smith is ready. Just ask him to give you a press season. Is Gavin G. Smith's middle name Gavin? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh God, if he listens to this, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. Can we ask everybody that? What is the one book that you, apart from me? <laughs> what is the one book that you haven't read? There's so many I've not read. <laughs> I've not read any Shakespeare. There are. Ooh. I didn't do it in my school. I, I got Kez instead of Narby. <laughs> 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 uh, again, I agree. I think there are a lot of books I should have read and haven't read. Every Right, okay, I'm going to go, especially because I have it on my shelf. I just don't know if I'm going to get it around to it. I think mine would probably be The God of Small Things. Everyone tells me oh, that I should read it. Yeah. Yep, I get that yeah, a lot. And I own it. I've never read any Jane Austen. <gasps> I can watch the TV adaptations when I've got a fever. Like if I'm really, really <laughs> ill, I go straight to the Jane Austen TV adaptations. It's the only way I can get through it. I'm really looking forward to a book coming out called Pride and Prometheus, which is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> um, yeah, War and Peace. It's just one of those iconic ones, isn't it? But nobody's ever read it because it's that long. So, yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of the one, uh, the guy who someone launched a, a jihad against him because of the book. Oh, this is Alec Burgess. That's the one. I've got a copy of it. I bought it at an edge a few years ago. I still haven't read that one yet. And also the second half of Don Quixote. But oh, wow. Um, <laughs> which is a bit, <laughs> I don't know whether that's. Ed has a very fond relationship with Don Quixote. Yeah, yeah. I think my car Rothenante several times now. But my it dad seems sensible. was Salmon Rushdie's UK editor when the fact was issued. And the SAS installed these big red buttons around the house, so if anyone ever, ever, yeah, if anyone ever came to try and kill my dad, you could press oh, a big red button and the armed response squad would turn up, which was great. We never pressed it. And now, like 40 years later, my mum has forgotten what these buttons do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit anxious, there's going to be a moment where she's just kind of like, oh. 
Are you taking me? Yeah. All this time later, I would want to know if it was still hooked up. I, d- I just don't know how to explain that one if the arms one oh. does go. Okay, guys, I was just checking. I'm like, it's fine. So Facebook Live it, and then you'd be like, see, if, if it was real, I wouldn't be Facebook Living this. Should it's Twitch. Put it on Twitch. Surely that's like fire alarms, though, or like smoke alarms. You're like, you test them. Like, every <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> just see who probably should Where are they? Where are they? This time. Oh, I don't know. There used to be a button at the National Theatre and it was the biggest and reddest button you've ever seen. It was one of those really satisfying ones that goes clonk when you press it. Did and you underneath say, it, do it not press this no, it was worse. Underneath it were the words, this button does nothing. And that is like. We are running out of time, oh. um, so uh, thank you very much to our lovely audience to, for, for being here. Thank you, lovely uh, audience. Thank you. Well done, lovely audience. Uh, you can lovely thank you for talking of our nonsense for now. Um, and um, lots of thanks to all of you. Thank you, Alison, a little bit. Thank you, Claire, and, and all the rest of you as well. Uh, and thank you, Emma Charger. Um, and yes, you can catch Brave New Words um, at Brave New at Radio Bookworm on Twitter or via the Starburst website. And um, we'll see you again uh, on the next show. Bye. 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 Bye.